Praise God. Well, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for a little while today, and we're going to be speaking about the armor of God, the armor of God and the fight uh, for our life and the life of those around us. And from the onset uh, with this message, I want us to know that that our fight is a spiritual battle. So it's a, it's a spiritual battle. and We're dealing with two kingdoms, the kingdom of God, which is light and the kingdom of dark darkness, the kingdom of the world. It's, it's, it's darkness and Satan has dominion over it and God is supreme. You need to know that God is supreme. I hope you know that in your heart. He is supreme and has supremacy over all things. And this means that he's in charge. Our God, our King, Yahweh, is in charge. He has created all things. And yet, and yet he, has allowed his, uh, he has allowed his creation, his creatures, us and other spiritual beings to have certain freedoms. And for example, he doesn't force us to follow him. He doesn't force us to obey him. He doesn't, he doesn't um, cause us to make bad decisions. When you make a bad decision, you're on your own. He didn't cause you to make that bad decision. And he simply leaves much of life up to us in, in, in a way. He allows uh, spiritual beings to coexist with us. And while we often don't see them, they are here. And we usually can break that down into two camps, right? The good angels and the evil ones. And the evil ones we often call demons. But it's really not that simple. Um, and while this message is not going to dive deep into the differences between spiritual beings, I do want us to understand that they exist and the evil ones are out to get us. That's important for you to know. They're out to get you. But, but have no fear, right? Uh, God is more powerful than any of these other Amen. beings that are out to hurt you. And he has made provisions for us to become overcomers of yes. whatever they can throw our way. We can be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Yes. And understand this. There are battles that are happening in the spiritual realm. They're happening. And there's a fight between right and wrong and light versus darkness and good versus evil. And we're all in a battle for our lives and we're involved in these battles one way or the other regardless if you believe it or not regardless if you see it or not or understand it or not these battles are real and we can't fight these battles in the flesh or with natural uh, weapons our natural bodies weren't designed for it these battles are spiritual in nature so we must learn how to fight and learn how to put on our godly armor hallelujah god has called the church to fight against darkness and and evil and this is not really a choice because when you become a christian when you become a born-again believer you join the lord's army yep. you need to understand that and and now while some have become traitors and some have gone awol especially these last two years man they have gone awol where are they they disappeared but our church is starting to grow and and come back to life and it's been doing that for quite some time so we're very excited we know people are watching online so hello online world um, but we know that many are AWOL for and I don't mean just watching from home they're AWOL they're, they're, they have abandoned the community of believers right and so we just need to we need to understand that 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 God is on the move though he's on the move and he wants us to grow in the knowledge and and his and and who he is learn more about him daily we're called to take a stand we're called to be brave right to hold the line and we need to get involved we need to win these spiritual battles now i don't understand all of this but but i know that the bible tells us that we're surrounded by spiritual beings and we're in a fight for our life and actually a fight unto death and many people are losing that battle because they don't understand what's happening they don't understand how to take a stand against 
the devil and, and the evil one and the wiles. The Bible says the, the wiles of the, of, of the devil. And so I want to speak about God's armor from Ephesians chapter 6 this morning and hopefully encourage you to power up and to armor up. And I've titled this message, Standing Strong Even When You're Feeling Weak. Standing Strong When You're Feeling Weak. Ephesians 6. So let's stand once again just for a few moments. Now you're nice and comfortable. And we'll be reading from Ephesians 6 and just looking at a, a few verses to get us going here. Beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on something you do. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rules, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the armor of God so that when, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Bless the Lord. And, and church, you need to understand this too. Many don't realize it, but the day of evil is here. The devil wants to hurt us, and, and the times are getting worse. I think you understand that the times are getting worse, and, and we are to eagerly await for the return of Christ Jesus, but we are to vigilantly, vigilantly uh, work and serve God and be alert and watchful at all times. Let's pray and and just stand strong in, in, in the Lord as, as God wants to just see us through and help us through storms in our, our life. Father God, I just pray that you will just bless us, Lord, that you will help us, oh God, that you will help us to stand strong even while we're feeling weak, oh Lord. Help us understand how to wear your armor and stand up against the, the evil one, Lord God. Help us to stand strong, oh Lord Jesus, when when life gets hard. Help us to stand strong, Lord, when we're faced with affliction, oh God. Help us to rise up and to praise your name, to worship your name, to, to, to proclaim your words, oh God, to live it out uh, properly, oh God, so that people see you. Help us to point people to you, God, not to us, but to you, Lord. We pray blessings over this word. Open our eyes and our, and our ears and our hearts, Lord, to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Okay, the first thing that I want to speak about is to be strong in the Lord. Number one, be strong in the Lord. Now, this verse uh, 10 starts off with this word, finally, finally, finally. It, it comes after Paul has just been going into like five chapters here. And now he's saying finally. And so that after everything he has been teaching, right, finally, it's the summation of all that coming together in light of what God has done, in light of what God has shown you, in light of what God is going to continue to do. Be strong, be strong, be strong in the Lord. Embrace his ways, embrace his words, embrace his spirit, embrace his calling, embrace the work of God that he has set before you to do. Embrace the battles that are even coming your way. They're here and they're coming your way. There's more to come. Life just doesn't necessarily get easier because you become a, a Christian. Church, there's many battles that we face. Giant ones, unexpected ones, trials of many kinds from various people and various places. But, but God's words tells us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And while so many people have no hope, they have no hope and they have no way of fighting or, or combating the giants and the struggles in life, uh, we are told to power up. We are told to armor up and allow the Holy Spirit to, to move and operate with inside us and, and through us. We are to stand strong in his word, stand strong 
in worship and praise and to place our trust and faith in God and Him alone and who sees all things, who knows all things, right? Has the power and the authority and the ability to overcome any obstacle that we face. See, people might be aware of these things. Uh, he has power, he has authority, but does he have the ability to go to the next steps? There's nothing that Satan can throw at us or his minions that we cannot overcome in Christ Jesus. The Lord will make a way when there seems to be no way. Trust him with your life. Amen. Thank you. When problems are so big and, and insurmountable to overcome in our, on our own, we're not alone. We are not alone, church. We have him. We have family. We have friends. We have community, the body of believers, the church, uh, the, saint of, of, the saints of God. And with Christ's help, we are overcomers. So stand strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Now, right from the onset of this message, many people don't know the Lord. We need to understand that. And so they can't hold on to the promises of God uh, like, like we can, right? His, his words allow us to do this, but many can't. For them, it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, they're lost. They're hurting. They're, they're confused. They don't know the Lord. And it frightens them where they find themselves to be. But for us, we know better. For them, they have limited help and they have limited resources. For us, the people of God, we have unlimited help, unlimited resources, and unlimited provisions for us. God can send a legion of angels in a moment of time to surround us, to, to help us, to minister to us, to, to protect us. And God wants to heal us and transform our, our hearts and minds and our, and our lives. And, and he can do this in just a moment of time. It just takes a moment of time for someone to, to turn to God and their life will be transformed. And so often we just don't call upon him. We don't believe in him. And we don't ask for help. And, and we don't go about his business doing things his ways. And, and so we sin. And then we find ourselves hurt, harmed, defeated, off mission. And when we step out from under God's authority, we step out from his protection. I believe that. When we step out from under God's authority, we step out from his protection. Now, we know bad things happen to good people. It's a question that most people have. It rains on the good and it rains on the bad. That's just the way it is. Even our wedding vows say in sickness and in health, it's, it, it's, it's, it might come, it might come, and probably you'll have some hard times in a marriage, right? That's, it's sickness and in health, and we know there will be trying times and struggles of many kinds. We know that this world will have trouble, but we can understand that we can have peace and confidence that He has overcome the world. But even though this is true, and God's Word says it's true, there's battles that must be overcome by faith, and by his power. For example, the Israelites who left Egypt needed to trust God before they were going to take possession of the promised land. And the Lord told them in Deuteronomy 1 verse 21, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. And yet what did they do? They rebelled against God. They didn't obey or believe his words. They, didn't, they, they grumbled against God and they were terrified in their actions. And this led, led them to make up lies about God, right? And the situation in verse 27, it says, the Lord hates us. So, so he brought out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Really? He couldn't have just destroyed you right where you were. He had to take you out of Egypt. He didn't have to take you out of Egypt and remove you from slavery. His heart was to free you, to bless you, and to make you into a great nation. 
In fact, while you were there, right, you became a people. You were protected in Egypt and you became a people. You were able to grow into a great number of people and, and start your way to become fruitful and multiply. And they saw miracles and wonders there and they still did not obey God. And so they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and God led them with a, with a, a cloud by day and a fire at night. And he gave them bread and meat right when they were hungry and he gave them water when they were, when they were thirsty. Even from a rock and their clothes and their shoes they never wore out and they still didn't, they still didn't honor him. They still didn't enter into the, into the promised land. Why? Because they said the giants were too big, right? The work was too hard and, and they started to grumble and complain and make tons of excuses why they couldn't obey God and go forward by faith. And so they all died in the wilderness. Every one of them died for their grumbling and complaining against God except Caleb and Joshua. And the rest, they died. They never entered the promised land. And then you have the next generation that, that steps up their children. And the children are given a chance to enter into the promised land and confront their giants that were larger than life, larger than life type of trials, right? And they didn't want to go forward. They didn't want to go and, and have faith in God either. Church, history will often repeat itself in various ways if we're not careful. Especially when the people of God are silenced or they forget the truth, or they forget his words, or they refuse to operate by faith. When we know it is the Lord's, when we know it's his will, when we know it's his will to go forward and take a stand for righteousness, anything less than obedience is sin. We have to stand strong and while we're facing adversity, even when we're feeling weak, knowing it's not by might, not by power, but my spirit says the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to, to lead us if we want to be strong in the Lord and mighty in power. Remember Samson, right? When the Spirit left him, he lost his strength, he lost his power, he lost his a certain abilities. And what's worse, he didn't even know the Spirit of God left him. It was too late once he realized it. In church, we need to be empowered by God and be refilled over and over again by His presence and the Spirit. Too many saints have, have lost their power. The Spirit's power is there to help them and, and win battles in their life, to guide them in all truth, to point people to Jesus. But because of sin, because of wickedness, because of lack of faith, because of idleness, because of so many things, the Spirit's power has departed in many ways from the people and they don't even know it. Wow, that's crazy to me. And yet it's true. It's true. It's scary that God's presence left you and you don't even know it anymore. Woo. You might say that the person's a powerful leader. We might, we might think of a, a strong and, and mighty person. Initially, I think of that in the flesh in, in a way. I, I have this image of a, a mighty muscle person built strong like me and, and able to defend uh, the, the house or the land, right? And I think of a person who might even be in a position of influence, right? Again, a powerful leader, a person maybe of high education or, or wisdom and understanding. When I think of power, I think of a, a bunch of horses galloping together. When I think of power, I think of a, a long train, very long, and, and that force, right? Pulling a heavy load and all that power. Getting that way and try to stop it, it's going to smash you. It can't just stop on a dime. It's so powerful. It's just going to be moving. 
But when we put this kind of, uh, this idea of strength and mighty power in, in the context of a spiritual realm, and then we apply it to God, I think of men and women operating God's way, allowing His Spirit to move and motivate within them, right? I think of a, a praying person, right? Even a, even a small child praying by faith, pressing in at these altars and wanting more from God. I think of a person that, that might be, be physically weak but strong in the Lord. When I think of God and His mighty power, everything changes, church. Everything changes. Hallelujah. When we are weak... He is strong. He is always strong. And there's no limits. There's no limits. There is no, no limits. Uh, there is no human or demonic ability to stop what, what it is that God wants to put forth. It can't be stopped. God has a vast, unlimited supply of might and power. And he wants us to have access to it. He wants us to walk and work and witness utilizing his power. He wants us to operate in his gifts, his spiritual gifts, these gifts that we have access to, um, he, and, and his Holy Spirit that has given us the power, has given us the ability to achieve success and, and stay on mission and, and combat our temptations and fight sin. It's the Holy Spirit that can fix us with, gar with regards to sin. It's not your own mind. It's the Holy Spirit that's operating you. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers the believer for works of service. And so this, the Holy Spirit's supposed to flow in us and through us as we love, as we live, as we breathe, as we have our being. And in and of itself, our flesh is weak. But 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is God who makes us strong when we are weak. So until we realize our weakness and how frail we really are, we won't be able to receive his strength. And I read this quote recently. We can't receive the insufficiency of God's grace until we know our own insufficiency. So we have to be strong in the Lord and, and his mighty power. This means we are not to sit passively idle or just watch the world go to hell while we do nothing and say nothing. We are to rely on the Lord even when we feel weak. And without Him, we are weak. Now, to prepare for the works of, of, of service and to face and confront our giants and our struggles of life, we need to prepare. And this goes beyond the natural ability. We cannot stand strong if we have not received the Lord. We cannot stand strong if we are weak in our faith. We cannot stand strong if we're not operating in His ways. We cannot stand strong if the Lord is not leading us and motivating us and moving us. And so it's important. Standing strong in the Lord, it's not about stagnation. It's not about uh, being stale. And it's not about just being stationary. It's about being ready for action. It's being ready to see those miracles come. It's, it's being ready to go, ready to give, ready to, to live, ready to do works of service, ready to see God show up powerfully. We ought to expect God to show up powerfully, not only in our church, but in our lives and in our country and in our world. Lord, show up. And he has, and he's breathed life into us. And we need to continue to move and, and breathe, right? Standing strong in the Lord is, a, is standing on the promises of God. And there are many promises. And, and that type of standing is active faith. Believing God's word to be true. We rely on him. We trust him. We live for him. We depend on him. Yes. Philippians 4 verse 1 says, stand strong, stand firm in the Lord. And before you stand strong in the Lord and stand up against the enemies of God, you need to be a child of God. 
You need to be saved first. You need to be a born-again believer in Christ Jesus. And so we need to invite the Lord into our hearts and our mind. And I'll speak more about that in a few moments. But we need to know there's more to come after salvation. I say that over again. Over and over. We need the, the Spirit's empowerment. So we wait on the Lord for guidance. We wait on the Lord for direction. We wait on the Lord and we ask Him to fill us. Oh Lord, fill me. Fill me to my cup overflow. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your person, your purpose. Fill me with your presence, oh God. Uh, we need to we seek Him and, and to know Him better, right? And we need to armor up and operate in the ways if his ways if we want to be able to stand up against the enemies and the schemes. So we are to stand strong in the Lord. And then we are to stand up against the enemy's schemes. So many people, they're, they're fighting people. They're bickering and grumbling and they're fighting against each other. But the truth is we're forgetting who the real enemy is. Our fight should be against spiritual beings. And, and the devil's schemes, verse 11 says, put on the armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you can stand against who, what? The devil's schemes. And while we need to armor up and, and learn how to, to work and stand in our armor, we often are focusing on people and we're focusing on the wrong types of issues and the wrong things. And verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, which would be humans, would be people, right? Flesh and blood. But our struggle is what? Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, church, the devil is real and there's real battles. The battles are real and we're dealing with spiritual and supernatural realm here. And if we remain ignorant to this fact, we remain defeated and, and isolated and uh, sidelined and ineffective in our fight and in our walk with God. These battles are real. And these forces and struggles come in so many different ways and shapes and forms and from so many different directions. But one main goal of it all, take you off mission, to get you off track, to derail you, to take your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, to remove you from your, your calling, to knock you down, to sideline you, to hurt you, to make you sick. He wants to take you out of the game. That's what he wants. But we need to stand up and we need to rise up. And he's the resurrected Savior and Lord, right? He will raise us up. And we have to stand up against the devil's schemes. And while politics, religion, economics, viruses, and all these other things right, are used against us, it's not flesh and blood that we're actually uh, battling. And so our natural weapons, they won't work against us. They won't work against them, I should say. If you keep fighting that way, you remain weak and, and ineffective. Because our natural weapons don't work against spiritual battles. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4 says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Yet this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we need to stand up and rise up and learn how to fight against the, the devil's schemes, the enemy's schemes with spiritual weapons. We need to stand up and put on our armor of God so we can destroy and demolish these types of strongholds. Verse 13 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and church, it's already here. It's coming our way. It's already here. It comes. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. 
And Paul is now going in to list several uh, spiritual weapons that, that we have here to stand against the enemy of God and therefore um, our enemies as well. And again, the armor of God. The armor is special armor. It's for his children, right? You can't wear someone else's armor and think you're protected. Each of us needs to wear our armor, the armor of God that has been built and designed for you. It's designed for you. Now, if there's an armor that he has for you, then there's a battle waiting for you, right? That's how simple it is. If, there, if there's no need for, if there's no battle, there's no need for armor. It, it's pretty simple, which means we ought to be involved in a battle, not just watch the battle, right? It's not Monday night football, we're just watching, right? You got to get into battle. So we're not just watching the battle, sitting on the sidelines. Um, even if the battle, even if he's fighting the battle for us, we're still part of the process. We still need to be in his presence, right? Every day, we need to stand firm on the promises of God. We need to put on the armor. We need to armor up, church, and power up, church. The armor is for the children of God, for the protection against attacks from the enemies. We fight a spiritual realm. It's in the spiritual realm and not with man-made weapons. And so, as we go through these pieces of armor, we're going to rip through it quickly today, but understand this, that it was meant for us to stand strong. It wasn't meant for us to run away. It wasn't meant for us to be sidelined in any, in any way or staying away. It's not for idol work or idol worshipers. It's, it's for God's children. It's for the Christian. It's for the born-again believer. Putting on the armor of God is like playing for your your favorite team. It's like putting on your, your favorite team uniform. We have to have the right equipment. You don't show up to a baseball game wearing your football equipment. You don't wear your Met t-shirt going to a Yankee game. Well, well, some do, but they're playing for the losing team. No, no, go Yankees. No, I'm only, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But the truth is we're wearing, we have to wear the right uniform. Right? It's not about the Yankees or the Mets. For some it is, but in general it's not. It's wearing the right uniform, right? That's the point. And tell others, and it tells others whose team you're playing on. Too many Christians are wearing the world's colors and standards. There's no distinction, and therefore everyone looks the same, right? But we're called out ones. We, we are to gather and, and assemble in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a social club, it's a church. We are meant to. to to meet and greet and eat and fellowship and worship and, and come together as a church, a community of believers called Ecclesia, the called out ones, the called out ones to assemble. We're called out of the world into his wonderful light. And we're representing Jesus Christ when we do that, when we gather. It's not representing the government. It's not representing politics or a, a political agenda of any kind. We represent King Jesus. And the Bible tells us and shows you that we are his disciples by the way we love. And yet many Christians don't even pause long enough in the hallway to say hello to somebody. Or to say hi to a new face that they just met. So often people are coming in late and leaving early and, and they don't need to speak with you. I'm so glad that this church has, has overcome that in so many ways. It's a welcoming church. I think so. And if not, go talk to the pastor. <laughs> But it should be a welcoming church, a loving church, a receiving church, and you should feel the warmth. And if not, seriously, that's our heart, that you feel God's love and that we should be talking to each other and saying hello to each other. And, and you don't always have to 
pause and have a half hour conversation, but just smile, give a head nod, acknowledge that someone's standing next to you, and be careful about just interrupting and walking someone over. All right, I'm off track, but you understand that we need to just love each other. Hallelujah. I paused, Bruce. I paused. I gave a pause, a big pause there, right? Hallelujah. You know, the churches across America are in trouble. I think we all agree with that. They're messed up. People are wearing the, the Christian uniform. They're actually playing for the wrong team. Ouch or amen, I don't know. When we watch their actions, their words, their deeds, it's a problem. We need a revival of the heart, church. We need a revival in our heart. We need to refocus our life and our energy, doing what God mission, put us on mission to do and called us to do. So we're to be strong in the Lord and stand up against the schemes of the devil and finally put on the armor of God. Let's talk about armor. Armor up. But not just any armor. God's armor, which is spiritual in nature. So the first piece of armor is the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put this on daily. Gird it around your waist. Don't leave home without it. Uh, we know the belt was designed to keep your pants up and in place. And without it, um, some people would lose their trousers. Today, I left my belt off, not on purpose. And I was like, can someone bring me my belt? My pants keep falling down. That would not be a pleasant sight while I'm preaching. That's a problem, right? So the belt has to keep everything in place, right? It was designed to keep the weapons in place. It was designed to carry the load and give uh, support and give stability and give steadiness to the, to the soldier. And so we can work and serve and, and go on mission, right? The truth of God's word will reveal light in this dark world. Today, so many people have lost their way, living in darkness, and things are just out of place. So many people are just promoting their, their own truth. Even if it's a lie, they stick to it. They keep telling that same story. It's a lie. You know it's a lie, right? Yeah, I know it's a lie, but I'm going to tell that story anyway. It's nonsensical, church. But God's truth doesn't change, even if your truth does. And so it's important to understand that Jesus, who is God, came to earth because he loves us so much. And while he was beaten and placed on a cross, he willingly gave his life for us. Because the wages of sin is death. So he paid our debt with his precious blood, with his life, so we can now live. So we can now receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus, we move from darkness into the light. And at the end of this message, I'll give you an opportunity to understand that more. But in short, simply speak to him from your heart, wherever you are. Speak to him while you're living on earth. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Repent for those sins. Invite him into your life. Ask him to lead you and guide you in his truth. But then start walking and operating in that truth as well. Because that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of your journey. Turn towards him. Hear his words and believe. So put on the belt of truth. And we have put on number two, the breastplate of righteousness. This protects the heart. This protects the body. This is a, protects the chest and the vital organs, right? Uh, Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, above all, guard, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life, it says. The armor was designed for a frontal attack, not for a retreat, not for running away and hiding. The breastplate of righteousness is something that you don't purchase or earn. It's something that you gain. It's not something that you gain from years of study or ex uh, education. It's a gift from God. And he gives you the ability to make right decisions. Make the right decisions. You have that ability now to make right choices in life. 
And this goes beyond natural thinking. You have to understand that. You can't live rightly without God. And maybe you might meet a man's standard, but you'll never make it into heaven. You'll never meet God's standard that way. Um, your methods and, and mind are not capable of meeting that standard on your own. We must understand his words and ways and then obey them and live rightly. And that's done through the power of the Holy Ghost. Put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, put on your shoes or your boots. So the third piece of armor is shoes or boots. And with you, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So shoes are a very important part of the armor of God. Wherever you go, walk and work in the confidence and peace of God. And remember, when Paul's writing this, he's writing this uh, chained and probably shackled with soldiers around him, and so, the Roman soldiers all, all around him, and, and he's seeing their equipment, and, and he's seeing and equating the, the physical equipment that he sees with the spiritual principles and spiritual weapons. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, boots to wear, fitted for the soldier. If you've ever gone hiking or camping, having the right boots on is so important. We know that if your feet get wet and they're unsupported, uh, they get sore and raw pretty, pretty quickly. The Roman soldiers' boots were, were fitted and designed to give support, well ventilated and had spikes on the, on the bottom of it so they would be gripping and they would have traction and they gave the support so they could go for a long, a long walk, right? It gave the soldier firm footing, a firm foundation and therefore they could walk further and longer than other soldiers during, during a during wartime, when you're wearing the armor of God, you'll start to walk on solid ground. You'll be able to work a little longer and go a little further, and God will give you his peace. But you must be going in the direction that he's sending you, not your own thing. You can't walk in darkness unprepared. You can't go astray and do your own thing and then think you're, you're still walking in the light. There are times when we find ourselves in dark, darkness. And in those times... Um, that you go there, I hope you're going there to, to, to save someone else or try to help someone else. Over time, we might just find ourselves there. We weren't expecting a battle. We weren't expecting to be there, but we just found ourselves there. We stumbled upon it. But if you're simply looking for a fight or for trouble, you're looking in the wrong places. So don't, don't do that. I say, buyer, beware. You're asking for trouble. For example, if you have a problem with alcohol, don't try to evangelize someone. Don't go to a bar and make that like your, your main uh, place to work. That's just dumb. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, you need to be delivered, and it's going to take time for you to really get that taste. You might lose that taste, but stop going there. Right? If you have a drug problem, why are you hanging out on the street with, where the drugs are? Why are you going back to that neighborhood where you fell into that trap the last time, right? Stay away from there. It's going to be a problem for you. Maybe you're hanging out with people that are leading you instead of you leading, you leading them and they're leading you astray. Stay away from that. You're not ready for that. You need to be delivered from that. Listen, we need to be careful of the, those things. These are danger signs. Don't go astray. Stay on God's path. Stay, follow his ways. Now, now, God's peace is a special kind of peace. It's an encouraging peace. It doesn't come from the world either. It's one that is not understood. But when you have God's peace, there's nothing like that peace. Hallelujah. John 14 verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. My peace. 
His peace He gives to us. But too often people go astray and they lose their way. If they go astray, you start to lose your peace. The enemy of God wants you peaceless. That's what he wants. He wants you depressed. He wants you anxious. He wants you sick. Right? He wants to fill you with confusion and, and make you mentally weak. He wants to bring storms into your life that make you fearful. He wants to bring situations into your life that make you hopeless. He wants to bring viruses to make you inactive and isolated. Right? Satan knows that when there's no peace, there's no victory. He wants you sleepless and restless and broken. So stay on the path that God has prepared for you. Put on the shoes, the special boots that he has for you, fitted and designed for you. Let him lead you and guide you in his ways. Number four, the shield of faith. Now a shield, if it's used correctly, can be offensively, used offensively or defensively. It could be to push, attack or defend or deflect, right? Uh, you can ram your enemy and run into your enemy. And often, and often the enemy would shoot flames of arrows to their opposing army. And the Romans learned how to use their shield and. And in a very interesting way, they made a dome, they made a barrier to protect, block, deflect, right? And extinguish those arrows. So in, in, the, in the natural, these, these shields block, attacks, the knife, the sword, the spear, these arrows and other projectiles that were coming their way. And they coated and covered their shield with water and other, other elements to help, um, to help put out those flames. Verse 16 says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Which you can, can, which something you can do, ex extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Write this down, Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. He is the shield to those who take refuge in him. In a sense, uh, in a, dunk yourself in God's word. It, immerse yourself, baptismo, immerse yourself in the spirit of God and the presence of God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Psalms 18, verse 30, as, as for God, his ways are perfect. The word of the Lord, flawless. He's a shield for all who take refuge in him. Again, we must take up the shield, something we do, right? We learn to do. We learn his words. We, we must take refuge in him. He's our shield, right? Our shield of faith that God has provided for us. It's not our own philosophies, our own wisdom, our own ways, right? We operate in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we will have the victory and we will have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. In fact, let's read more of that. Psalms 18, verse 31. Through 36. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It's, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. I love this. Uh, God's going to help us. God is going to lead us. God is going to guide us. God is going to train us for battle. And you give me your shield, you give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me, and you stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. In other words, you give me a, found, a sound footing, a firm foundation. It's the Lord who makes us victorious in battle. He will fight for us, but we must stand up and we must step out right. in faith. Right. Put on the armor of God, use it wisely and rightly. Take up the shield of faith. But I'm not speaking about saving faith here or doctrines of faith here either. I'm speaking about living out your faith, trusting and obeying God regularly and daily. 
I'm speaking to people who are already saved. This armor is for those who are saved, children of God, and those who have invited Him into their life to be Lord of their life. You can get armor. So Paul is speaking uh, about this to those after salvation. We must continue to walk by faith. We must power up. We must armor up. This is daily. This is ongoing. And the shield of, of faith is sufficient to repel and extinguish all, all the enemy's attacks and shots. Without our shield, we're weak. Without our shield, we're vulnerable. Without our shield in operation, um, we open ourselves up to more attacks. We are limited in our understanding. And this is exactly where the devil wants you. Questioning and doubting his ways. Questioning your faith. Questioning your current uh, situation and future by doubting God's words. Now spiritually, what does these fiery darts or flaming arrows represent? It can mean so many things. It can mean obstacles and, and giants, giants and struggles and despair and disappointment and, and just depression and so many things. Sickness and health issues, broken relationships and various types of, of struggles and strongholds and temptations. The shield of faith is designed to deflect and extinguish the fiery arrows and attacks against you. The helmet of salvation, number five. Now, I like to say it this way, keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game. Get your head in the game, right? Um, David cut off Goliath's head. When you lose your head, game is over. Don't lose your head, game is over. You wanna keep your head on your shoulders, right? You, you've heard that saying, cool heads prevail, right? And David stayed cool in times of, of trouble. He had a steady hand and a steady focus, and he kept his head in the game, literally. But Goliath did not, right? If Goliath was able to get to David first, he would have killed David and chopped off his head. Now, military helmets have come way, a long, long way, right? They're, they're mostly bulletproof, and, and, and they're, they're made to save, save the head and, and therefore save lives. But again, Paul is speaking here to Christians. So... If he's, so if he's speaking about, if he's not speaking about salvation, then what is he speaking about? He's speaking about the hope of our salvation. Don't lose your hope, and don't lose your hope in salvation, nor the God of salvation. And so we are to protect our head at all times, protect your mind at all times, protect the gospel truth message, right? That truth, protect the truth of God's word and understand that his resurrection power is real and it's really for you as well. And even if you die today, you will be with him immediately in glory with him where you see him face to face. What a day that's going to be when my Jesus I shall see. One day soon, he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people. Hallelujah. This is our blessed hope, the, the glorious appearing of God, our Savior. And we are to expect and eagerly expect his soon coming return and, and operate according to his words. Titus 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and, un upright and godly lives in this present age. 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our, our great God and, and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is his very own, eager to do what's good. Be eager to do what's good, church. So our assurance is in the Lord who saves and who rescues us. And now as we put on the helmet of salvation, eager to do good, bathe yourself in Christ Jesus and his words. And, and we are to reorient our thoughts to be more like him. We need to take every thought captive, not, not allow the enemy to get a, a foothold and stronghold to our minds. So many Christians are saved, but they are not delivered. They are not delivered from what ails them. Their mind is all messed up, and maybe their heart is right with the Lord. Maybe they turned their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and are born again, but they are not totally set free from the strongholds, especially the one in their mind. We see this all the time. Christians need to be delivered from their strongholds even after salvation. And while many are scared of deliverance ministries within a church, it's needed, church. We need to pray for each other. We need to help each other and point people to God, to Jesus. We need to point them to healing as well and who, who the great healer is. The Lord is interested in healing both the body, soul, and spirit. And so often our thinking in many ways are wrong. We haven't been trained properly. We haven't immersed ourselves in the word of God and, it, and, it's not, and we're not yielding to the spirit's guidance. And so many people are saved but not living free. There's still battles in their mind, confused, anxious about life and their future. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How do we do this? We do this through the power of the Word of God. We do this through faith. We do this by taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You take your thought captive. You do it in Christ Jesus and his power. Yeah. Yes. We need to take every thought captive and not allow the enemy to get a foothold in our mind. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So many Christians are saved, but they are not delivered from their own natural way of thinking. Mm -hmm. The helmet of salvation, now we have number six, the, words, the sword of the Spirit. And the scripture says, that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now again, we know that God's Word and truth never changes, but it changes everything. I hope you got that. It never changes, but it changes everything. God's words are convicting. God's words, when we receive it, are transforming. And even though so many people deny His truth and words, they affect how we think and what we do. Now, while in other places the armor of God is mostly defensive, this weapon here is mostly offensive. There's power in the word of God. Hallelujah. We read about Jesus in the wilderness com combating Satan's attack by saying and believing the, the words of God. Now I want to be careful here because some people take this to be magical. right? They say this verse over and over again and, and it creates power. String these verses together and do it in this form. And all of a sudden you have this magical potion and abracadabra and life it just comes together. And that's why you come out like a toad instead of a prince or a prince or a toad, whatever. And now, there is power in these words when we receive them and believe them by faith, when they're used as a weapon against the devil, but it must be done correctly. And let me give you a very quick example here according to Scripture, and we'll wrap this message up. James chapter 4 says, and so often it's, it's quoted, resist the devil and he will flee. 
But again, they're missing something when they do this. James 4 verse 7 says, submit yourself. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you, you sinner, and purify your heart, you double-minded. We must apply the words. We must apply these words, what, what's being said. We must take action. And our action reveals our faith. It's not just reciting words or scripture. Now, there's two main types of swords, basically. The long sword that smashes things and the short sword that, or maybe the dagger we might call it. And I believe Paul is talking about the dagger here, the short sword, right? To, to use close up right next to the enemy, a hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, so close that you feel the enemy's breath right on your neck, right? Church, there's times that the enemy's right on top of you and, and you can feel darkness all around you. You're, you're surrounded by it. You can, you can sense evil in the room and you need to respond quickly, right? All hell is breaking out around you and you might only have seconds or moments to respond. There's no time for, for fasting. There's no time for long-winded praise, right? You just yell, Jesus, help me. I need you now, Lord. Rescue me, right? And you start claiming the promises of God and you start speaking life over the situation. Lord, help me. Guide me. Teach me. Bring someone in my life to help me. Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's penetrating even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the heart, heart and, the, and the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture, all scripture. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, the, the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So call out to God and believe on his promises. All scripture, all scripture, God breathed, all scripture helpful and, and profitable. Church, make it your goal to read the Bible this year. Make it your goal, 72 to 75 hours, and you can listen to the entire Bible, 15 minutes a day, and you can hear the whole Bible, read the whole Bible from cover to cover. Read it out loud, Romans 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard. Through the word of God, Romans 8, 26, in the same way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that the words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Be strong in the Lord and meditate on his words night and day. Stand up against the devil's schemes by allowing the Spirit to search our hearts and guide us in all truth. And put on the armor of God, standing strong even when you're feeling weak. And finally, just one more minute here, a bonus point. Maybe one of our most important weapons. Prayer. Prayer. As we get up every day and put on the armor of God, we must pray. Prayer is a weapon for sure. Maybe it's even the atomic bomb. Boom! The atmosphere starts changing when we start praying. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All! Anything! With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all saints. Pray also for me. And... 
that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given me. I pray for everyone with this. That when you open up your mouth, words will be given to you so that you will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which you are all ambassadors in chains. Pray that you may declare it fearlessly as you should. I reworded it, but you'll get the point. A fight is spiritual in battle. Our weapons are supernatural. And while many want to avoid the fight, it's unavoidable, the fight. And so learn how to put on the armor of God and walk in His authority. The battles are real. The enemy is fierce. And he hates you and he wants to destroy you and he wants to bring you down, church. And he's coming to a neighborhood near you. The real question is, what will you do the next time that you're attacked and you're feeling weak? Will you stand strong in the Lord? Will you pray a little longer? Will you praise a little louder? Will you get up every day and make a difference for the kingdom of God? Amen. And would you stand with me now as these altars are open and we pray, declaring this battle song, our battle. Hallelujah.
praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He is worthy, O oh God, to be praised. Being overcome or stand firm, stand strong, even when you're feeling weak. Amen. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing here, O oh God. When we're weak, you help us, O oh God. And you're so faithful to us. You surround us, O oh God, with your ministry angels, ministering angels, O oh God. We thank you, Lord. We know, Lord, that you love us more than we can even imagine. And we serve you, O oh God, the living God. Hallelujah. And bless your people. Shine your face upon them. Be with them. Keep them safe as they go out into the street, the ice. Bring them back safely again in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.